They're guys. They do magic. magic. They are the magic guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 154 of the Magic the Guys. Never in there. Why am I here? <laughs> today we in the top. I know. We, do you know things have just gone bananas today? I've been asleep and I should be awake. You know, Doug's up the top. Nick's Nick's extra clean shaven for us all. And the most important thing is we're here to answer your questions as professional magicians. That's what we do on this pod. So welcome everyone and let's get into it. Good morning, Josh. Thanks for waking up. Good morning. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's not noon yet, so it's you know it's still early for a magician. This is part two of your day. I saw you hard at work earlier on this day already, so I know you've been at it. Thanks. Yeah, just uh, just firing up for the day, you know, trying to make the most of it. How are you, Nick? What's going on? Living the dream, friend. I got up early today as well. Um, I had a doctor's appointment just to let him just to be told I'm in perfect health. So look at me go. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. It was good. He even, yeah, he checked me thoroughly, thoroughly. Well, uh, well, it was actually, it was actually me, Doug. That's why I was up so early, flying back from <laughs> Melbourne. He likes me to pretend. You charge like extra I'm, for the thorough exam. I charge extra if they want me to uh, pretend I'm Johnny Sins and wear the name tag and everything as the doctor. So I'm not the only me. one who gets that from Nick. That's interesting. Mm. <laughs> that would, well, that more could definitely, yeah. Okay, so let's press on, friends. So again, this episode is a Q&A. We asked you guys to send through all of your questions that you may have. Thank you for doing all that, and thank you all for being here. So shout out to the folks who are watching live today. We got Ed, we got Tim, we got Bob, we got Ed again. Everyone. Everyone's here. Thank you for being here. Patrick's shout here in the house. See them. Ed Blitch is here, too. Oh, yeah. And a quick shout-out to Alex Lamb, one of our fellow Magic guys, and I know someone who learns from Doug. He came to watch the Theater of Magic front row seats with his, with his uh, wonderful missus. Um, I saw that week. short. Hey, Alex, can see you there. Because I'd always just assumed he, was, uh, he looked like Superman because that's what his uh, profile picture always was. But now I got to meet him in person. Much better looking, so... Great to see him. All right. A lot of friends Blaise in the house. Guerra. We got to get Blaze. Has Blaze been on this podcast? Did I miss that? Blaze, what's up? I, I've infiltrated their podcast a couple of times with our comments, but we got to make okay. it happen. Yeah. Blaze, uh, let us know your availability for next week. We would love to have you on the show. So let's or any out. week, or we'll accommodate you. I will Hell drive yeah, hours to do your thing and et cetera. Oh, okay. Does it? I, I like what's happening here. Should we press on to the up first for Magi Fest right about now? That's about to kick off. It's one of the bigger conventions in the country. About the oh, hell headlining yeah. that thing, and that's going to be a lucky audience. The material this young man does. I see. Yeah, uh, a lot here. of that's awesome. I got to go to Magi Fest one year, and a lot of people I see are already posting and talking about Blackpool as well. So that must be coming up hot. That's on my bucket list. I haven't done that one. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. All right, how about we, there's so many, you guys are awesome sending in your, your speak pipes. Um, should we just cut to the first one straight away? There's so many in such a little time, you know, that we yeah, want to get to. Enough dilly-dally, enough dilly-dally. Yeah, I reckon um, we'll go through a few of mine first, Nick, and then I think like after like, maybe three, we'll go to yours. Oh, yeah, and, that sounds uh, good. The first, this first one comes from Dale. Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember. Maybe from the UK. I can't remember. Here we Hello go. Hello, guys. Dale from Newcastle here. A quick question for you. So on New Year's Eve, I was doing a gig and I was performing Nemesis. I'm not sure if he's aware of the trick, but um, you've got to rely on the spectator to cut the cards roughly about half. Not doesn't have to be exactly half, but roughly half. And they should cut to your card. Um, however, the spectator didn't do this. And he cut pretty much three quarters of the deck, which means he wasn't going to cut to my card. Luckily, I was carrying decks, so I was able to do a nice quick little switch to make it look like he'd actually cut to my card. Um, so it got us thinking, do you have a certain out for every trick? Or do you have a specific out for a certain trick? Or do you just use one out for most of your tricks? Thanks, guys. That's a great question, buddy. Thanks for sending that through. So the question basically is, do we have 
multiple outs for every trick. I, if I may go first, gentlemen, I do things a little bit different. And what I do is I have routines that I can build upon and do extra phases of that are kind of like, I call them their cream. So you you serve a delicious dessert. It's a good ice cream. It's a little bit of cake. It's a few different things. But ultimately, if there's an opportunity to add cream and make it a little bit better, I'll do that. So I don't have multiple outs as such as I do have opportunities to go even further. So what I mean by that is that let's just say that you 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 hit a you hit a card force okay and from that card force you can then say look under your seat and then from under your seat you can go now go to your car and then under your car like when you go home look under your pillow like you can really just sort of push things further and further and further i set up opportunities like that to go further and further down the line so it's not well, let, if i may play devil you know, if i may play devil's advocate let's say because I know what he's asking, right? Like he's asking like your mid trick where it has, this thing has to happen and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So let's say, what does Nick do when you are doing a toxic force on a calculator and they mess it up and they've like hit clear and they've, they've gone, oh, I pressed it wrong. Let me just start again. And now you're mid trick and they've started again. What do you do? You go to another trick. What do you do? Do you restart it? What? You just vanish the it, phone. Tell let us. Let me suggest like, that if you're a working professional, all the outs should be covered for the effects that you're presenting for your paying client. So yeah. there should be fail-proof in every fashion, in my opinion. Outside of that, we might play around and be allowed to fail and always yeah. have an invisible deck in our pocket if we're doing mm. another card trick. Yeah. Which is what, what Dale said he did do, which is great. Right, yeah. Good work, Dale. But I want to know what yeah. Nick would do. So you're, you're doing toxic. They've just messed it up. Okay, so I, I use a toxic entity that does not fail, which is Ian Pigeon's eye thump. That doesn't, and that that thing, doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. That Let's say it, that well, is good, the, though. So basically you're yeah, saying you've made it. You're in, you've made it. What if your phone fails? Exactly. So, well, here's the thing. So if it did fail, if I was trying to do a toxic thing and it wasn't working, I would go, you know what? Like, I go, look, it's okay. Like, my fault. I didn't mean to. I didn't explain it very well. Let's try something different. Choose any one of these numbers. And then I will go into that Robert Ramirez type routine, um, which is part of his encyclopedia of impromptu iPhone magic. So right. I do have an out, but it just means it's a different road that you take. Now, uh, the only person who's going to know that things swayed or didn't go perfectly is you. Your audience won't know that. So you shouldn't feel too much pressure about that. And again, if if everything relies on this one thing and it's super duper important, it has to work. So one, one routine that is, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work is the color match. You guys familiar with the color match where mm. you'll have a drawing of a person and you'll say, grab a pen, color the hat, color the shirt, color the shoes. If that routine does not work due to its method, which we won't give away on this podcast, <clears throat> there is no out. That's it. Like it has to work. Boy, I was I was very excited to get that trick into my repertoire, and then so terrified to perform it, I never did. Because yeah, and, I, and actually, even the the Murphy's re release of this Adverti product has a lot of fail safes built in it for the professional. Let me not knock that product because there's like triple out fail safes in that thing. But even that, I'm like, if I put this in my repertoire, maybe I don't even remember to charge it one day, and then that's all. You know, that Correct. can happen. So exactly. Um, so I guess to answer your question is a, a fail safe can not only be a different method or a different way to get the correct outcome. You can also sway to a different routine. And that's, I think the best advice we can give for you with regards to moving forward with that one. So either one, find a different way to hit the force. You can always circle back to it. So you got three options. Really, you can try trade the force a different way. You know, it's just as simple as this, like, oh, sorry, I saw the car. Can you choose another one? That. That's just go left. Take a left turn. Mm -hmm. Allow me to suggest this. Remember your card and we'll get back to it. And then just don't, you know, just and just don't. That's an option, you know. Yeah. Thinking <laughs> about thinking about um, Dale's routine, the situation he just said he was in, he said that 
um, he needed the spectator to cut around the middle and they cut around three quarters. Mm-hmm. After doing pneumonicosis for so long, the, the answer to that should be if they cut three quarters, you go, great. Okay, now that three quarters, go ahead and cut that in half. And if, they, if, you, if they're already cutting deeper than they should, um, then cutting into a third of a deck deeper than they should will end up being the half that you were trying to get to. So that would probably be the out I would work on. If they cut deeper, go great. And now yep. what you've just left us with, cut that. And Agreed. then you're going to get to your ending. Yeah, that moment um, is navigatable. Yeah, because I love coming back to what Ozzy Wynn says. It shouldn't be an out. It should be an outcome. There should just be different outcomes that are just as good, whether it's another yeah, effect, maybe. variation, or just not adding the cream on top, which Nick was mentioning. Um, mm. And, yeah, there's a few little moments I've had where, like, I've not uh, done the right algorithm on a Rubik's Cube, but I've just moved on to the next phase without bringing it up that it was meant to be a moment. Yeah, but good question. And and it never hurts to have an invisible deck on you. Like, I can't – I think for the last 10 years I've had an invisible deck just sitting in my case when I'm doing a stage show, but I've never used it. But it feels nice to have it there. <laughs> That's what I, I remember the first time I saw David Copperfield and he pulls this thing out in the middle of his stage show, does Jumbo Invisible. Yeah. Who who did you say? So, you know, something obviously was wrong backstage. You know, I don't think that's going to be a, a material for Sexy Dave in the <laughs> 80s or 90s. But I saw him do it on the stage and I'm sure he keeps it in the repertoire. Although nowadays it's probably B-Wave because that's how Dave rolls. all right dale thank you for your question very provocative we could go on about this forever which is awesome but um let's press on our next one is from scotty p uh, an avid listener and friend of the podcast scotty p scotty p the mid-strength magician here again with a question specifically for nick Ooh, are you familiar with music at all no sorry just kidding um (laughs) you mentioned that 98 percent of your routines are done standing are there any routines that you're proud of that you've adapted from being typically a tabled routine to a standing routine or other ways that you've managed, um, such as using the spectator's hands as a table? Thank you, Scotty. Scotty Poo. Poo. All right. Thank you, Scotty Poo. Killer question, Scotty P. Um, yes, I definitely have done some adaptations. Um, you know, when I work at a table, I, I do some lapping, quite a bit of lapping, especially in some of the coin routines that I do. I have a particular mm-hmm. um, coin to glass and coins through table piece that I do that I'm super proud of. Um, it's something I've been trying to adapt to a standing position. Um, Rocco Solano, who was a one of my biggest influences with sleeving, was also a student of um, uh, Slidini, who did a lot of lapping. And it was Rocco's thought process who said, what if I took the notion of lapping into the notion of sleeving? So I've done the very same thing. So one of the things I've done, obviously, is mimicked the knowledge that was handed down to me from Rocco's teachings and adopt the lapping into sleeving. Now, atop of that, using people's hands is something I definitely do. It does tend to get a little difficult depending on where you are in a sense that people are holding their hors d'oeuvres, they're holding their drinks, they might only have one hand to do something. But there is little subtleties that you can use in order to get someone to be compliant with using their hands. So let's say that you wanted to do like a card to box and the card's already preloaded inside the box. You would ask the spectator to hold out their hand and regardless of what they do, you make an adjustment with their hand. So you grab their hand, move it slightly and go perfect, hold it just there. And just by them making that little adjustment lets them know that, okay, okay, cool. Like this has been corrected. I need to keep it here now in order for this to work, you know? And I, in fact, say, I perfectly leave it perfectly still or this will not work. And I say that. And if they move around, like it'll be a screw up because I, I, I emulate that I'm going to sneak a card under the box in which it goes inside the box. So if they do move around, I have a, a presentational out, if you will. So there's that type of thing you can do as well. Now, one of the things I also do that I haven't shared before is that I, I do a card to box in the same person's hand. Now, they've got a reference in their head from what a single card feels like in a box. And then we're going to try and put a whole deck in the box and have them experience the exact same thing. 
The way I achieve this is I get that person to hold their hand way above their head, their arms straight up, and they hold the pack of playing cards above their head. When you hold a pack like this, you can't tell how heavy it is. And so I do that under the guise of hold it up as high as you can so everyone can see. Can everyone see that? And so the deck's way above their head. And I go, watch it. I go, the card's going to go in the box. Everyone watch closely. I then go, snap. I'm holding one playing card. I show the whole pack is gone. I go, raise your hand down. The moment they raise their hand down, I say, notice it feels a little heavier than it did before. And they go, yeah. And then you crack it open and the whole pack's gone inside the box. But when their arm is fully extended, elbow locked specifically above their head, they cannot feel how heavy the box is until they drop their hand back down and it's about chest tight and they can actually appreciate the leverage and the feel. And I came up with that a long, long time ago now. But yeah, that's a super awesome secret of mine that I share with you guys, our wonderful audience. Yeah, boy. Let me give some love to that. All I could think about when you were saying that was um, Lonely Island's Dick in a Box featuring Justin Timberlake. Because like the way you're mentioning put your hand up and open it up, what's inside? It's my dick in a box. Great. I'm over here thinking about a solution to my uh, 1 in 51 transposition problem I've been trying to solve for my whole life. So this is the way to accomplish this. The spectator assumes there to be one card or a whole deck of cards, either one in their hand. And now you just need to change the other singular unit into the other thing. One card changes places with the deck. Work on that. Hell yeah. Mm. All right. Scotty P on fire, man. Thank you. Next, we have Dave in brackets, delightful deception. What a name. All right, Dave, you're up. Let's see what you got. Hey, Magic Guys, it's Dave from England. Uh, a merch idea. What about Ooh. something like card clips, maybe, with Magic Guys' logo on? Might be a nice idea. Cheers, guys. See ya. Oh, I like this. Speak pipes to, to help our merch brand, uh, in which if, uh, if you are considering getting merch, uh, oh, look at that, a banner just popped up. TheMagicGuysShow.com. <laughs> is where you can find that merch. Hey, I never considered a card clip because I can't say I use them these days anymore. Do you guys? You, you know I, what I do? I, is I, I keep a trick deck and a card clip from my, in my working case um, just so I know that's the trick deck. It's like a, a deck marker for me more than anything. Uh, clever, clever. I have a pub deck, you know, when I go to the pub and that one stays within its, yeah. its, its clip. You know what I mean? Because uh, you get you get you get some longevity out of the cards, just the fact that they're being compressed, mm. and you know when you crack them open, they just last a lot longer and they're a lot fresher. Um, yeah, but that's a great idea. Um, we should we should definitely look into that. I'm just seeing now. I remember I was gifted uh, this one, this this uh, card clip, which is actually a wallet built into being able to store one deck inside. Ooh, that's so you can put nice. Your I love that it has here. utility. Aside from yeah. the prep. Oh, I dig it. Yeah, this one was hand this is handmade by hmm. Sam someone from Adelaide. I remember Jason Ma uh giving it to me because he made a couple for him and so so it's Aussie made and like that could be one idea, for example, but hmm, might look into it because that is cool. I remember when all the craze was over Dave Dan and Dave Buck's like alligator <clears throat> clips and stuff. Yeah, you know, I like would think any like magic-related merch would be smart, right? Mm. Stuff that might be a an accessory. You know, I don't know if it'd be a wand, but you could say MG a Magic Guy's wand or something like that. You know, yeah, it could. It could contain. Bags, you know, change bags are hot. Yeah, it could contain. Well, not not a strand of our hair, but uh, maybe a strand of our eyebrow or something in each wand. You know how you'd have like the hair of a feather of a phoenix. Yeah, that could, or maybe a beard here. That could be, that could be a thing. I, I feel like Nick's going to go and show us. Either he's going to take a dump, or he's, he's going to show us change bag. Uh, I'm sure his, his embossed yeah. change bag. It would say <laughs> mind blower on the right below the the frilly curly cues. Yeah, please tell me that's a change bag. Oh, damn it! Oh, look out, Buff Charlie Chaplin. It is National Challenge Hat Day. Challenge accepted, Tim. How many hats can we fit in the episode? 
Hat number one. Well, Let's move on. Tim noticed. I don't know if anyone mm. else has noticed. I'm on my third hat of the episode. Nice. Oh, is that what you're doing? Nice. Nice. Well, I better I better speed things up a little bit then. Well, I also have. It, it was you... a curious, like how many could I get away <laughs> with? That's number four. If anyone's counting. If, if, if you look in. Up. If you look at my background, where my finger's pointing right here is actually a top hat sitting on top of my mm-hmm. headlight. So that's technically another one. So I'm, I'm technically rocking three right now. I mean, I have so many I could grab, but like. But let's know. be clear that if we went to war, I would win. I would just have to stand up and gather the hat. Nick, you have an impressive mm-hmm. collection there. I'm wow, look that. at this. Nick might win. How many bowlers do you have? Uh, I got three more, so quite a few. Wow, I love it. Wow, what brand do you buy? Do you one have for a- every, one for every different mood Nick K can be in. Do you well, have a I favorite to to brand? No, not particularly. I just kind of get them from Mad Hatter, which is a, a store here in Melbourne Town. Sorry, I'm too far away from the mic, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, you, you sort of, I use these for my final loads in my my uh, cup and balls routine. Um, you know, to produce I you're gonna say in your, I you're going to say in your deck in a box routine. That's your final load hat. <laughs> you know, Tom, my, my, one of my first magic hats was a pork pie. So I've rocked a pork pie in my day. But nowadays, if I wear something too close to that, even when I wear these, they call me Heisenberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like the Walter White of magic. I mean, that could totally be a character when you're out there. Like, I get kid, that on TikTok. I'm online. Kid, like, come oh. here. Brian Cranston's doing magic now. <laughs> hey, it's better than Johnny Sins, bro. Take it. That's great. That's great. Nick, how about we listen to your speak pipe? Yeah, I was sent a speak pipe from uh, from Milan Brunette Sabistia. I'm butchering your name, um, um, Milan, but uh, he sent me a wonderful message on the on the gram, and I asked him politely if I could share. Uh, what you said. It's not so much a question, uh, but something just uh, let's a, hear a wonderful message from a fellow listener. So let's have a listen. Hello, Nick. Hey, my name is uh, Milan Brunet, and uh, I'm originally from Paris, France, but uh, I live in uh, Pensacola, Florida, uh, not too far from Doug, actually a couple hours from him. But um, I was catching up on the, your podcast and uh, the episode where you mentioned that you wish... Uh, you know, at this point in your life, you would have done more just because time is running out. Um, just uh, want to let you know that is absolutely nonsense um, because you are um, are doing a lot. Um, and obviously, like, you know that. But um, just with the podcast alone, um, just want to let you know that um, you guys are a true inspiration for me. And um, I decided to take uh, magic to a next level uh, last year. I actually opened a, a magic school uh, in Pensacola, Florida. And um, it's Pensacola Magic. And uh, I've enrolled 100 students, so kids and adults. Um, it's an eight-week course. And uh, you guys have been a, a true inspiration. This is a two-parter, so stand by. Yeah, yeah, it gets better. I don't know. We only had one minute. So true inspiration, um, you know, with all the knowledge and, and everything that you bring um, into the podcast, uh, it's like you guys have been holding my hand in some way. And I just wanted to share that, you know, when I heard you um, say uh, that on the podcast, I was like, hell no, I need to, I need to let the guy know how, how great and, and how, you know, how much you guys are doing for, for the community. So, um, you know, I hope, um, I hope we can uh, one day connect in person um, if you're in the States or if I come to, to Australia um, and I can finally tell my friend here um, in the U.S. that I had uh, lunch with uh, my good friend, Nick K. So, man, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, sharing is uh, is loving. So that's what I'm doing with the school. And, you know, that's what you guys are doing with the podcast. So just keep it up. Um, love what you guys are doing and, and wish you the best for what's next, my brother. See ya. Doesn't that just fill your cup? That's so cool. Doesn't that message just fill you up? Honestly, like that is, again, I've already extended my thanks in my messages to him, but like, thank you so much for those kind words. Like that alone inspired me. You know, as a professional. For hundreds of magicians. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's your guy, but come on. House of Cards Magic School. Beautiful. 
So we are, uh, for those watching or listening to the pod, we are playing videos right now, which you can review yourself on YouTube. We'll also post a link of Mulan School. Um, Mm. If you guys are within the area, you know, of of his location, uh, to enroll and share the gift of magic with everyone. He's clearly driven by passion. And the fact that you've got 100 students in such a small amount of time, that is phenomenal. Like, a credit to you. I want to know more. I want to know more about this man and his endeavors for sure. Yeah, I'll be pe- we- I'll be checking this out after the pod. Hell yeah, cool stuff. We'll post it Absolutely. in. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, it's in the description. Awesome. So video, it'll be there after the, after cool. this live. That's awesome. How cool! How cool that we can. Uh, you know, he would. Let's be honest. Like, I feel like Milan, you would have done that by yourself anyway. But if we yeah. can still be there just to help you know, some of that motivation fuel, like that's freaking awesome, you know, it's freaking awesome. And uh, what more can I say? Hopefully we get to meet in person one day. Sounds like you might meet Doug before us. Cause you uh, could, it's like three close. hours away. That's possible. I go through Pensacola now and again. So I'll put that school on my radar and make a pit stop next time I'm driving through for <clears> sure. <throat> I'm hoping you have a little retail establishment or something hooked up to it and we'll be looking for it. Uh, yeah, I'll see you in Pensacola before you know it. Hell yeah. Uh, is Was there one more, Nick, or was those two messages the one? Correct. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. That's yeah. beautiful. All right, our next uh, voice speak pipe is from Thomas Hadson. Now, Thomas, he's from Sydney, and I've not heard from Thomas for a while, but he used to, in our early days of doing the podcast, used to send in voice messages, and I remember watching his journey so like three years ago. So it's very cool to see him, his name pop up again. So let's hear from Thomas Hansen from Sydney. Hey guys, Thomas Hansen here. Now I hope everything's all going well for you all. And my question for you wonderful magicians today would be, what are the processes you guys need to go through to refine your routines? And how do you all know when a routine or a certain effect feels complete? Now I know that there are heaps of considerations to weigh in here. And I also know that the magic community is really big on advice and feedback. So how do we know when our routines feel complete and we are confident enough to put them in our close-up sets and our our stage sets? Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. All right, Thomas, so well-spoken as well. All that that money put into uh, going to college has paid off. So I remember you 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 were in uni back in the day when you used to conversate with us. Great question. (laughs) Yeah, Thomas, thanks for the question. And so ultimately, it's like it's refinement versus completion, which is interesting because for me, I don't think think that – I mean, like we we have routines that are good and done, but truly, like do we ever finish working on them? Are we always willing to make it a little bit better? Here's where magicians miss the boat. They don't dress rehearse the routines. They practice the slides. They go through the trick. Sometimes they rehearse the trick with the patter, but they don't put their suit on with all the pockets and do the trick that comes before it and pretend there's an audience there and videotape the rehearsal. And and it's this process of practice, rehearse, and then dress, freaking rehearse. If you can go street perform or go somewhere and perform it a couple of hundred times before you take it out, even there, it'd be great. Mm. Yeah, dress rehearsing is the key, right? That is that is the best bit of advice um, that Dwayne, my mentor, also gave me as well. It's like if you're going to like practice, you got to practice in your regalia that you're going to wear. I mean, look, outside of maybe practicing a slight, if you're just going to be using your hands while watching TV or something of that nature, sure. But if you were going to actually routine something that you do like for stage or whatever else, pocket management is key, especially with this my style of magic. So I, I, I agree with that as well. So I guess one, to refine by rehearsing with your clothes on. And as far as it being complete, I think you never stop being complete. Put that comment by Blaze Sierra up. Okay, we'll read this out aloud. I believe Gabby Paredes said, magicians are more like gardeners than painters, forever tending to our crop and trying to bring new life to them. They don't just go up on the wall as completed piece. And I think that is very, very, like, I agree with that entirely, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah, I like to have the piece best rehearsed. You're just starting. Then you go perform it for 20 years. And at the end of that, it's nearing yeah. completion. 
Yeah, I have routines I've been doing for 16 years and the like the version one or the Mark one versus like the Mark 16 of like my coins across that I have now, like don't restrict yourself is what I'm trying to say. So you're going to be constantly refining and constantly completing and making new versions of it. It's the same reason why you look at a Ford Focus car like the model number one versus the model today, the model today is better. It's faster. It's lighter. It's got better aircon, whatever it might be. You're just constantly going to be improving. So the answer to refining and completing is you're always going to be refining and completing. I'll add three things. Um, Thomas is asking, you know, where is it good enough to put in your set? So there, there's three places I've noticed. One is I love going out to the street and practicing new stuff that would just probably go wrong <laughs> or like not go wrong, but probably won't get a reaction. Um, like it's completely unknown. So I love going out to Queen street here in Brisbane and just trying stuff like for the life of me, I really loved uh, Colin clouds uh, drawing duplication wallet. He brought out, but mm -hmm. for, for the goddamn life of me, I cannot get a freaking good reaction from it with my, persona performing it so like whenever whenever i go out to the street i'll try a different way of performing this thing because i just cannot make it good enough where i would feel comfortable putting it in a set where someone's paid me so there's but there's lots of different that's just one example but yeah so street magic is just like so great because you can just run a routine you know 20 times with no pressure absolutely that's the the just go do it yeah, the, the second place that I found uh, really helpful is um, having other magicians like gig with you and actually watch you in the zone. Because mm. uh, we, we one of our performers at the Theatre of Magic, the amazing Nigel, he's the most seasoned out of the three of us at Theatre of Magic. And uh, I got to get him on this podcast. He's so freaking funny. But there's two routines he does that he has done for, I don't know, 20 years, 10 years, 15 years or something. And from myself and Christopher Wayne watching him do it, we've given him ideas and he's gone, holy crap. And he's changed. So one of them, for example, is uh, he does this routine, hilarious routine with like a, um, a plastic bag and a deck of cards and a card penetrates this plastic bag. And he's always just done it the way he does it. And then we said, why don't you, get a laser pointer and give it to the spectator and pretend like it's a laser cutter and have them draw the line in the bag for the, the card to now be able to penetrate through and then you heal it and they check it. And now it's this whole funny thing because the spectator accidentally points the laser like on his head straight away. And it's now it's just added an extra 5% and he's never thought mm -hmm. to do that. And uh, he has another routine where, He's doing uh, book tests and he would always get them to name a word and it would be a joke. He wouldn't actually find it. It'd be like, oh, that would be good if I could have done that, but I can't. And then we gave him a method of what if you could do a callback later on and have that word actually be written down in this jar. And now it's like one of the main pieces in the show and it used to just be a throwaway joke. Um, and same for me. I, I'm like, guys, can you watch me do this set and uh, and give me advice? And so... That's been, that's been amazing, having other professionals watch you do your work. And um, one of our friends here wrote video recording. So, like, you could send a recording of yourself to another professional friend and they could give advice on that. And just before Nick jumps in with his gold, uh, the third one, because I said I had three, so it's like magicians watching. Recording yourself and watching it, honestly, is a great step, you know, if you yep. can do that. Yeah. It really is. Street magic them watching and i feel like there's a third one it's omegle omegle you go to omegle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, maybe people, maybe, well, maybe actually, it was I, here, I jump on tiktok a lot nowadays for this to to actually get rehearsal time for routines i haven't done in a while like if i'm yeah. a little rusty on some stuff i could do tiktok for an hour and i'm in performance mode so i'm not mm -hmm. just practicing the slides i'm actually performing the material for the people and there is great value in that and yeah. oh yeah the the, the very last tricks. The very last thing was, um, yeah, if I have a new close-up routine, I'll wait till the very end of the gig when I'm like done. And that one person that's been super nice to you and keeps wanting to talk and like I've seen you do a bunch of stuff, 
I might quietly say to them, hey, do you want to see like just something I'm working on? And then I might try it. That might be how I introduce like a new thing. Um, that's all I'll say. Anyway, Nick, with the Jedi hat. Yeah. So, uh, Jackson, you are, you, are going, you are going to get um, feedback from people, all right? Now, one thing that I want you to be weary of is that sometimes people give feedback, right? But they don't take into account your character, your style, and things of that nature that, that make you quintessentially go away, um, that make you you. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I bring that up because... There's nothing worse than when you're trying to... No, 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 Clement, go away. Um, so there's nothing more difficult than when you're trying to uh, do a podcast and someone's trying to call through. But on top of that, when somebody <laughs> is... When, when, when you're getting feedback, like let's say that like I go, you guys, help me with a routine. But they're giving me feedback on how they would do it. It's like, that's not, that's not the best way to get feedback. So when you are getting that feedback, it's okay to say, you know what? Like, thank you for your input, but not take their advice, okay? Mm. It's going to happen a lot. The, the worst thing you could do would be to post your video in a public <clears throat> magician forum and say, can I have feedback? Like, that's the worst thing you could do because everyone's going to try and yeah. Yeah. feel like, you know, make themselves feel better. One thing we do here in Melbourne is we have a thing called Magicians at Work, and we have a show. It's like a free show. you got to get your tickets for free online at the Art Center, a little venue that holds 80 people. Uh, it's called The Channel, and we do that um, every month or every second month, depending on, on – like sometimes we have dedicated jam sessions, and then the week after we have like a full show. So the um, – the idea is, is that you get on stage, you have like five, 10 minutes. You, I, for me, I go to the audience and say, okay, hey guys, I'm working on a new routine. I would like feedback on whether or not you know how it's done and whether or not you can see how it's done. So enjoy my performance. I do my performance. They then have one minute at the end of it to write on a piece of paper their feedback. They put it all into a hat and then I take that feedback and I go read it backstage. As well as that, we have two people who are theater um, uh, like uh, uh, directors and so forth who watch the show from the back and then they give us feedback on the, on the presentation as well. So yeah, that's um, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that works cool. really well. That's yeah, an understatement. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> what a way to get great. Yeah. It's, sure. it's greater. It's good. For community. It's love, good for love, community. Love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Thomas, uh, yeah. Get some rep, get some reps going of the routine. Find a place you can do it. Just perform a lot. That's how you that's do it. it. Just perform a lot. All right. Next one is from Kyle Magic. Kyle Magic is up next. <clears throat> we love you, Kyle. Hi, guys. It's Kyle W. Magic from England. Um, I'd just like to say that your show is absolutely fantastic. And we watch it every week when we get chance to. And we just joined Doug's membership. And let me say, Ooh. it's really, 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 really good. So any beginner magicians out there want to join it? You'll do yourself a favor and Thank go join you. it. Um, my question is, where do you guys see yourselves in the next five years? To all of you. Thank you. Have a good day. Oh, damn. He's going deep. So where do we see ourselves in 2029? Goddamn. Doug, what do you think? Um. So my current trajectory leads to a published resource for the general public, and I'm traveling the world. Hopefully by 2029, I'm having my Spanish printing done, and I'm in some bookstores in Spain signing books and, you know, showing people how to do magic right. I'm assuming my role as a professor for the next five to ten years and excited to do that, and that's kind kind of the culmination of my trajectory i think leaving a resource for future generations that's printed yeah i think you'll be you'll be up there in lights how people mention michael lamar or bill malone it'll be like doug Kahn, because so uh, many uh, of the generation will have grown up learning from you right so i'm hoping to to reach a general populace along similar lines of mark wilson and bill tar and i don't think there's been a strong overall introductory volume although i do like this one by nick Stein, nick einhorn this is a great one nick you got this right the practical encyclopedia magic when was this thing published 90s wasn't it 
I don't know. Josh, what's your five-year plan while Doug looks that up? Ooh, so I, I love what John Prentice said. In five years, they'll be on episode 532. So I, 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 my, I pray it's still the same cast on this pod. Uh, no one gets too famous that they've jet set it off. And um, I will be, what? I'll be turning 40 uh, by the end of 2029. Is that right? 34, 20. About that. Spring chicken is what we call them in my neighborhood. Mm. Yeah. So, um, okay. So five, so five years. Okay. So I imagine the theater of magic is like a staple of something that you have Love to see. hearing in that. Brisbane. Thank you, Doug. Um, so I imagine that's like a big part of my world. I, I foresee, you know, us doing a lot more live audience-based podcasts by then, I would hope, because, you know, we'll be eight years into the podcast. Be in the metaverse, I, probably. Yeah, because I, I honestly Who do, knows I, what you know. It'll be. It, it's, uh, we love, you know, I love hearing those messages of, of you guys actually listening, you know, because we talk to each other all week and we see some of you in the live chat and then we just kind of, and then that's it, and we go live our lives. But it's really cool to hear people that don't, tune, you know, aren't there typing in, but hearing your messages saying you do listen. That's very cool. So I, I definitely imagine Magic Eyes is still going strong in five years' time. And um, I feel like uh, I've, I've probably developed my own, like, unique magic show that I'm doing in more of a stage format by then that uh, is full of stuff that I really enjoy doing. And um, I finally fucking get... <laughs> Some recognition online <laughs> on social media, you fucks. Come on. What the fuck? And so that's it. Yeah, what about you, Nick? Uh, I think... <laughs> <laughs> How do you follow that answer? Uh, okay. I think in five years' time that I start another band, and what I do is I write songs about Taylor Swift because all of her songs are about breaking up with the boy, but I want to write the, the songs from the boy's perspective. See how that goes and just hang shit <laughs> on Taylor Swift and then be like, really? You're going to slander me? And then be like, what about that time you crapped on my bed? That might have been the other guy with Amber Heard, but, you know, erroneous of that. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a band and, and write songs from the perspective of the boyfriends who have been dumped by Taylor Swift. You know what you could do? You could do a Lonely Island thing and take her songs and rewrite them to magic, like magic related. Oh, yeah. Like magic is your girlfriend and you're like annoyed or, you know, why do you cost so much? Why do I have to keep buying you wands? Like, you know, that could what be do you cost funny. so much? Why do I have to practice so hard? Why won't you just work? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are you always working on the weekends? You never take yeah. me anywhere nice, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's my plan for five years. Next question. Wait, no, but what is your real plan for five years? Um, look, what's going? My, on my goal ultimately. Look, there is there is a lot of stuff. I've been I've been I think we mentioned this in our news resolution that we were talking about all the things that we want to do, wanna, 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 or what we're gonna, like, and my mindset now has gone to like what I'm gonna do. And so I am at the point now where I've, I've got everything in motion. I'm redoing my branding. I'm redoing my website. I'm uh, meeting up with like engineers and so forth to get all my ideas I've been sitting on for a long, long time because I have expensive ideas that I want to get off the ground. Um, I'm at the point now in my life, in my career, where the cash flow is something that I've just gone, you know what, don't save money this year. Let's be broke. Let's be broke for just one year, just one year. And if it works, move on. And if it doesn't, you go, meh, at least I tried. So I'm kind of in step one of my five-year plan. But step one needs to happen first before I plan what happens next. Um, if I was to be if I was to be really overzealous, when I, mean, I hadn't really thought this far ahead, but if I thought really far ahead, this would be my five-year goal, all right? Hear me out. Get my routines that are so dope that they that they're really good 
and I perform them regularly. Get a phone call from Australia's Got Talent and they go, hey, what's up, man? We need you to do our show. I go, no worries. I'm going to do this thing. And rather than creating stuff for Australia's Got Talent, I've already got routines that I've been doing for X amount of time. I'm just going to go on and do the mm. stuff I always do. Do Australia's Got Talent, win Australia's Got Talent. Then use that money and go straight to Channel 7 or wherever the crap and go, listen up. I want your best writers, your best this, and your best theater people. I have ideas for a theater show. We're going to do this theater show. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, we're going to do a theater show. It's going to be a touring show. You're going to plug the crap out of it. I'm going to split X amount of profit with you. Here's the deal. Sign the papers. We're going to do this show. Do the show. Tour it for a year or two, right? Once that show is done, we're going to record the show. Once the show's recorded, you can broadcast the crap out of it on Channel 7. While that show's being broadcasted on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, we are writing a new show. Write a new show. Two of that show. Two of that show. Two of that show. Once it's done touring, record it and repeat. Do three or four of these. Make a few million dollars. Buy a couple of Porsches. A Ferrari, Ferrari 458. Maybe a, you know, maybe a Datsun in between all that for fun. And then just go, cool. I'm done. What about is Fism on the plans? Fism no. or Fulas or um, I am I am not a competition magician. I am I am not a competition magician at all. What about I'm, what about the Ford Fiesta? Have you seen the new ones? They're pretty cool, huh? Nice. Yeah. I would say that that whole plan is dope, except for having to rely on Australia's Got Talent to do anything uh helpful. <laughs> Yeah, but I would say these days you getting notability on social media is probably more helpful than you winning Australia's Got Talent because I can tell you (laughs) the last two people that won Australia's Got Talent, like I couldn't even tell you who they are. And yeah, they're not vanished. vanished. Literally, they're gone. So, but you could, you could, you could win it purely for the sake of, of you that being your audition tape for America's Got Talent. But um, and what about the Magic Castle? Do you foresee you performing at the Magic Castle? I would like to. I don't, in the next yeah. five years? No, I would like to, absolutely. But I just think that's more or less a, um, I don't know, just kind of like, a, oh, I've done that. I don't really think it's any great accolade. You know what I mean? I know people who have done it. I don't think that, that it means you can like, earn more anything like that you know what i mean like i disagree with that in the united states it's pretty it's a good thing to have on your resume and i think you can say especially if you're in that area if you say yeah i worked at magic castle everyone's going to be like right i do agree that it is a less of a grandiose thing than people might have made it out to be through the years and Mm. maybe less so later in life but uh yeah it's, it's a thing yeah, I yeah, I would I would love to, but I think like if you had two hundred fifty grand from a TV show that you said I got two hundred fifty grand, I'm now going to use this to build a show and just dump two hundred fifty. Imagine if you had a two hundred fifty grand budget to do a theater show. Think of the stuff mm-hmm. you could actually come up with. Think about like tell me, bro, Marcus Eddie, first phone call. I wouldn't even think twice. Mm. Go, Marcus, I have an idea for a show. Here's two hundred grand. Call whoever It'll you go. need to call. Hire yeah, who you need to hire. That'll get you a week. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. Um, yeah. Garcia, but, but then, but, Eddie, Voight, imagine. Voight, just imagine. the whole clan. We just we write a show together. Uh, I go, here's the ideas. I don't know how to do them. I'm this far into them. They go, that's a stupid idea. Do it like this. Like, that would be great, yeah. you know? So, get those ideas off the ground. Um, yeah. Now, moving on, I actually remember that I did have – it wasn't a question, but it was more of a gig story that I actually got – from our good friend Buck from uh, Do Scala Magic. Oh, hell did you yeah. Hear, did you guys want to hear this funny story? Let's do it. And um, then we'll try and uh, get through the rest of them before this episode ends. So let's, yeah, please. Yeah. Let's yeah. So the premise of this is that uh, a lot of times when you're doing magic, people think that you have strings. And it just become like a, an ongoing gag where you do something and you just yell out, a string, a string. And here's a story of how that joke sort of came about. Here we go. Dude, so my buddy, the Magic James... Um, this is like many, many months back, but he uh, was down in Southern California and he went to the uh, Disney magic shop and uh, <clears throat> the dude in there was, I guess he was, you know, doing UFO or whatever. And there was this like, I don't know, 11 year old, 12 year old kid there. 
dude. And like the second that UFO card came out, the kid just, you know, as you would expect from a kid that age, was like, hey, string, hey, string. <laughs> not it is string, not it's string, but it's string. We're in the wrong color for this. <laughs> and uh, poor guy, I guess he like was like trying to play it off Beauty or something. Ball. Anyway, kid, just being a kid, but I just I love that it's string. So that's the uh, that's the source on that one. So just a little geek story on. That's exactly yeah. why I don't float stuff. It always looks like it's on string, right? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> It does, uh, though. That, uh, it looks like it's on string. That music was uh, really something. Were you in an elevator when you recorded that? Or, uh, <laughs> Good question. Is that Good just question. your real life? Wow. Okay. Alex is our next uh, speak pipe. Thank you for leaving this message. It looks like a quick one. Hey, this is Alex here from Action Magical Adventures. A uh, quick question for you. Any good tips on double lifts or any variations on it? Let me know. Good tips. Good tips. I do. I look. Well, here's the thing. I did. Okay, double stick tape. Is that what you're holding up there, Doug? Yeah, that makes the doubles really. They stay together really good. You put all this in between them. Oh. The old double stickeroo. It'll never the split. Camera doesn't. My camera's wow. trying to focus on the voodoo doll still. That's the con okay. turnover. Is what that is using tape. I do. Okay, so for me, I, I like my single card to look the same as my double card. Some people get a break from the back of the deck with their thumb. Some people will get a break from the side of the deck or perhaps a get ready. I personally do well, – I, I came up with my own way of doing it, but I was later identified as the Larry Jennings snap double in which you <clears throat> riffle off two cards with your thumb, do a kind of bubble push-off, and that card then snaps over for you to do a double a double lift. Um that's the tip I, I kind of prefer to do. But ultimately, there's a couple of ways you can go about it so that it's actually like imperceptible that it is an actual double lift. Like, you know, you can do a KM turnover and then place the card on top so you have this nice retention of vision. Then do your double because you've maintained a break. So try and avoid it if you can. There's a lot of ways of doing that. Like, in, obviously, in the context of a routine, it makes a lot of sense that you probably have to do it. And as Doug sort of displays now, that's a single dub. Yeah. So now we see Doug is peeling off the back there, right? I think he's using tape, though. Yeah. He's using tape. <laughs> Which you can get at conjure.com. This is the new double lift system. Murphy's will have this soon. And I'm getting Craig Petty on board for a three-hour download. <laughs> oh, yeah. His son will love to add it into his show. Ryland. Yeah. Um, as far as tips go, man, like you, you've got get readies. The most, uh, the most, dis, dis, uh, I guess, just dis, deceiving one or deceptible one would be uh, the pinky pull down because it's the angles are really good on this one. Except Allow for me to interrupt you there because I do have yeah. a, a, a actual piece of advice here. The most deceptive one is probably related to the routine that you're doing. So you're going Correct. to have to choose a proper double lift to fit the magic. Sometimes it's going to be this. Hey, look at the card. And that's fine. Mm. You just pick the dang thing up by the end, show people, put it down. Because that's what the routine needs. Yeah. Sometimes people will be looking down and scrutinizing. And you'll want to use your Vernon and your Stuart Gordon turnovers. And that that's a thing. So it depends yeah. on the moment of the trick and how the dynamic is handled as to what can work best for your double lift in the moment. Well said. And I'll the last thing I'll add is um, I'll just say the strike double lift changed my world. The day that I learned that, I went from crowns to perfume. So, But have you tried tape? Not. That's my next uh, venture. That I'm going to have to. I'll get to, you the download once Patty's I'm going to have to. Uh, well, I'm going to wait to learn that from uh, slide school. Um, <laughs> if you wait an extra month, you can just pick it up from China for two ninety nine and get it real cheap. That's what I do. That's what the magic community is going to do for sure. All right. We, let's try and get through these last three. So this one is from Anonymous. Uh, love it. Great marketing. Hey, guys. If you could recommend me a wallet that I could use every day, not for a ton of stuff, but basically something that would facilitate a card to wallet with a palm. Thanks. All right. I think that's a Doug question. Doug? Uh, the one I swear by is uh, the Tony Miller Real Man Speedloader design. I use it as my everyday carry. 
I prefer it because it does not use a slide. So there's no big setup before the palmed card gets loaded into the wallet. And uh, beyond that, if you want to use this wallet and integrate this, uh, I, I don't have it set up. There it is, wrong side. You can finish with a folded bill that's paper clipped and the card is inside there. Ooh, so that that's it's cool. like doing the card in envelope, except the reset is literally 10 seconds if you want to do that. Yeah. And if and you're that's working for tips, that's a 20 and you get 20s, you know. That's a hip wallet, right, Doug? This is a real man speed loader. And if you give me 10 seconds, I'll grab the box and show everyone exactly what it is. Yeah, while you oh, grab yeah. that one, uh, if you were looking for a type of uh, wallet that would go like in your breast pocket of your jacket, I use the Caps wallet. Um, there's other types out there. I've tried the ATW wallet, the Malika wallet you can't get anymore. Um, uh, actually, Penguin, Penguin Magic just re-released the hip pocket. So that's right. available. This so, is the um, Speed Loader Plus Tony Miller and Mark Mason release. So it's it's a you know a bill fold wallet, and I yeah. load it out of my front pocket. So I, I put it right here, and the palm card just makes this short journey there. So damn. Wow. You know, yeah. to be honest, in in a casual situation and a lot of gigs now if i'm wearing a waistcoat i'm i'm just using um the card to phone app and that's my okay. oh you've mentioned that yeah that's my card to wallet um yeah worth looking into as well great question great question we have two more i feel like we can get through them All right, uh, and the next one is from andrew this is uh, about a minute long so let's run that love a good saucy minute voice message how go. are you, gentlemen? This is Andrew, the Magic Buzz, from up in Canada. Oh, nice. Magic uh, Buzz. just wanted to ask your opinion. I've moved towards doing mostly dinner parties, um, sort of uh, 7 to 16 people-sized dinner parties. And um, so basically that. parlor, a little bit of walkabout, depending on the situation. I'm just wondering... What are your opinions on length of time for performance? I mean, uh, I can do anything from 30 minutes to two hours. <laughs> I'm just wondering what's what's optimal. Um, keep it shorter, leave them wanting more, um, or give them their money's worth, you know, push towards an hour always, um, unless it looks like um, the attention is waning. Anyway, love to hear you guys weigh in on that. Been enjoying your show a lot for a while now. Keep up the great work. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you for sharing that. Awesome. So here's the thing. If you're doing a dinner type setup, I like to try and gauge how many courses are going to be done so that there's you know, not a lot of boring downtime or anything like that. And the last thing you want is uh, like when people are eating that they aren't going to be sort of like um, too afraid to break the ice and so forth, right? So I've done quite a few different ones of these where I was at this very lovely man's uh, house. He was a surgeon. Um, we had a surgery rather and he had all of his surgeons beneath him and he had a thing in his home and there was like about five or six tables and I just did spots in between each um uh, each, each course. So plates would be struck. I would go out. I would do 20 minutes at most. I would go, thank you very much. Enjoy. And that would give enough time for the kitchen to redo what they got to do, serve their next meal and, every, and away they go. So food would come out. They'd be engaged in conversation. They'd go, how amazing was that? How do you think you did this, this, this? So you can do it either by multi-phasing, which is one way of doing it. Or if you're doing these type of dinner situations, Another way of doing it is that you do like the pre-dinner drinks before they come and sit down. So you're the icebreaker. So people start arriving, but let's say that dinner's at seven. They start arriving between 5.30 and 6.30. You start performing at six till seven. As soon as seven hits, thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen. You've been an absolute pleasure as you're roving around the party, for example, or in a more parlor casual style setup. Seven begins. They all then go to their seats. And you've already done all the ice breaking before the show actually starts. Those are my two bits that I th hope can help you, my friend. Um, what say you boys? Yeah, I'll jump to just uh, the same, those situations that Andrew's talking about that I've done. Um, 
in a in a house party situation, roving magic before the show always so helpful because they know you're good and now they want to watch you. Um, especially because a lot of house party shows inevitably there are going to be people that are standing up to watch your show, which is never ideal, but in a house party, you can kind of get away with it. Um, cause it's more of an intimate setting. So, um, yeah, I'm j- like the last few that I've done, I've done like half an hour of roving so that people got like a taste of what's going on. I can sense the audience. And then I would do like a 30 to 40 minute show, which normally if you hit, if it all hits right, it ends up being like 45 to an hour, but that's more of a vibe thing. Cause it, if they're mm-hmm. really bantering on and loving it, it just takes you longer to get through your show because there's just so much improv that happens. But I that's, think that's the answer, right? There's a dynamic that goes on that's dependent on each party. And exactly. If everyone and is, think, yeah, I was going to say, I think what you should do is when it comes time, when you get the inquiry, have the conversation and go, like when they say, oh, we're looking at, I'm thinking about having a dinner party. You go, great, I have some questions before we go forward. I go, you explain, I've done a lot of these and I know the best way to do them. Are you going to have multiple courses? Are you going to have this? Are you going to have that? Gather as much information as you can about the event. Oh, we're going to have four courses. We're having cocktails. We're having this. Everyone's going to be seated. They're going to be standing. Find out all that information. And then you say, okay, that's a great idea. So what we'll do, I go, there's a few ways we can go about it. I'm going to suggest two that I think will work best. And always suggest two because the answer is yes and yes, as opposed to it's this or no. So then you go like, we could do uh, a mixture where we do a little bit of roving as people arrive. And then we can do one set after the main, uh, after uh, entrees are served. Uh, and then you can enjoy your main meals and your desserts and the rest of your evening from there. And you can quote them on that. Or you can go, or we can do this way. Which would you prefer? Option yeah. one or option well, two? Absolutely. Let's keep in mind his, his question. And that's such good feedback uh, and advice in general for when a client's booking you. But he's asking... The length of time, right? And so that's right. Find as much info as you can. And uh, also keep in mind, know how to end your show if like the audience is just wildly drunk and it's totally okay to end the show earlier than what is agreed upon if like it needs that to happen because you'd rather like, I I remember um, I was talking to Raymond Crow international extraordinaire magician Love Raymond Crow. and I was, I, I stage handed for him for a corporate gig in Brisbane. And he was telling me like the day before, you know, he gets paid a lot of money to do a corporate appearance. Um, and he ended his set. Like, I think he was meant to do 20 minutes or 25 minutes. And he ended it at just after, I think he ended it at 15 minutes. So like 10 minutes early. But he said that he just uh, it was better for the event that he did that, and also he didn't want to put up with these wildly drunk people. And um, but that's, that's the hold on back to it's better for the event that he did that. There's your answer. Yeah. That it's it's dependent. And please don't be the bad magician that gets long winded just because you have ten tricks in your bag. You're going to do all ten because yeah. that's what you rehearsed at home. Yeah, yeah. And the fact I that's love five great ones. Leave them wanting more. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that yeah. you can do so much material is really good because let's just say there's a scenario where they're like, <clears throat> oh, uh, he dropped a pot of spaghetti and he has to make another batch. Can you do another six minutes? Yeah, I can do that. So the fact that you can do all this time doesn't mean you, you have to, but it's so good. You are effectively a get-out-of-jail-free card, Andrew. Like, yeah. you just got to show them that, like, whatever the scenario is, you got it, you can control it, and you can deliver an amazing performance and ensure that the customer experience is phenomenal. You know what I'll do because we, there's one more speak pipe and then we got to wrap it up. Um, I actually have a full recording of a, um, uh, a family like birthday house dinner show that I did. Um, I put it on YouTube because I gave it to the client because uh, they, they flew me to New Zealand to do this house party for them, like a parlor show. And um, if you guys want to see it, reach out to me on to me on Instagram, not the magic guys, but my Instagram at Josh Lombito. And I'll send you this unlisted link. If you want to get a vibe for like what a, what a private party show is like where some people are standing up, they're drinking. And like, this is the example I have of like a 30 minute show actually going for an hour <laughs> um, or the carrying on so reach out to me. If nice. you want to see that, I just thought I'd throw awesome. it out there because I do have it. It's uh, and it, it's pretty funny, but um, one more question. From anonymous again. I love this anon anon anonymity. Anonymous. Thank you. No, no, anonymity. Anonymity. What's the 
Yeah. And uh, Mike Smith and uh, Adonis, you guys have great questions. What I, I would love to talk about them, but we're out of time. Please send those as a voicemail because um, that's yeah, a whole that. fantastic topic I would love yep. to talk about. All right, last yep. question. Here we go. It's coming up. Three, two, one. Hi, guys. Do you know who is the oldest known magician as an illusionist or magician in history? Doug Kong. Doug, Doug. <laughs> and thank you for <laughs> listening to the magic. <laughs> and that's it, guys. Thank you very much. The oldest guy in the... Um... My, my, my hypothesis goes back to a deity by the name of Horus. There might have been others that prefaced him, but I would imagine some of the older gods were pretty good tricksters. I'm guessing. Well, maybe I should do a history lesson on that. Uh, the the last episode we did, as far as magicians goes, was you know the oh. first magician in modern magic, which was Robert Houdin. We did that a couple of episodes ago, but maybe we take it right back and see Good like job. who was the first magician. Let's mm. find out who the first one was. Well, look, I, all I can say is thank mm. you so much for sending all those lovely voicemails that just filled up the whole episode we've gone over time trying to trying to answer them all so let's keep can, doing that i can note that reginald scott published the discovery of witchcraft in 1594 which is the book that put the light of magic in the public eye prior to that it was all witches and wizards he said here's their methods and that's where magic became public knowledge mm. oh, nice well i think that's as good as any final word we would have got for this episode. There we um, go. Yeah. My friends, magic guys and girls, thank you for watching. We'll see you next week for another banger in, uh, until then keep doing your gigs and, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now, disappear now, but we'll see you again on the next episode of the magic guys. Yeah.